All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. Ed Carberhall here with uh, Matt Hawkins, as always. Today, our guest is Billy Quarantello, uh, who is fighting December 7th uh, when the UFC goes to Washington, D.C. Billy, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Uh, not MMA-related, but I noticed on your social media you got engaged recently, and uh, we just wanted to say congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh. It's one of the only times you'll see me post anything not MMA related. Um, yeah, we went away for the, my my longtime girlfriend. We uh, I surprised her with a quick trip to the Bahamas, which is pretty easy to get to out for here in Florida. Um, you know, proposed to her at Pig Island, and that's something she always wanted to do. And uh, now I'm you know I locked her down. Now I'm full full steam ahead for this UFC fight. Nice well, that man, should... that, that's great. I mean, uh, it looks like a perfect timing, like a. Life-changing stuff going on. Obviously, uh, uh, you, you, you said you're in Florida. Um, Ray hooked this up for us. Uh, how do you know Ray? Um, who's that, Razel? Ray, Ray, Ray Robles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we met, we met a while ago out here, and um, you know, we just we kicked it a few times. And um, yeah, he's from. Uh, he, I, I met him out here in Tampa. I don't know where I met him at a long time ago, but. Um, I grew up in Buffalo, uh, and I've been around D.C. a lot, so I've, I've met people from all over. Um, but, yeah, I've lived here in Tampa now for uh, for uh, almost 10 years. Was your move down to Tampa MMA-related as far as finding better gyms to start training at, or was it just another move in life that got you down there? Yeah, it was. Um, it had a lot to do with that. So I basically um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, um, a, a little small town called Lewiston, and I got my associate's degree. And but when I was when I was getting my associate's degree, I didn't really know what I wanted to do after. But I loved training. Like I started training while I was getting my associates. But I knew after my associates, I wanted to get out of town. And my first amateur fight, I met Rob Kahn from Gracie, Tampa. Um, and they had a lot of good things to say about him. So I looked him up um, and my sister was living out here in Tampa. So I basically came down here to look at, uh, you know, schools to get my bachelor's degree. But I ended up just finding Matt Arroyo and Rob Kahn and all these guys at Gracie Tampa South. And I basically decided to stop going to school, basically put my school on hold um, and come out here and train full time. Um, and it was a really risky move at the time. You know, I was an 0-1 amateur fighter. And um, Matt Arroyo basically took me under his wing. And I basically came out here and started training full time. Um, and, uh, you know, it took me a long time, but I'm finally in the UFC. Yeah, that's a good move, actually. I mean, when you when you look back at at what happened with the sport, and you said you're in, in New York, and it was banned in New York, so obviously yeah. getting out of the state helped you uh, fast track your career. Um, Definitely. So you actually kind of answered what what my other, next question was: if jujitsu got you into MMA, and uh, you pretty much just said that that's the case, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, even before that, so you know, I was training a little bit before I moved to Tampa, but. Like, basically, when we grew up, there's there's not a lot to do in small town, you know, western New York. Um, it's so cold all the time. Um, but we would love going out and, like, partying, and we would always get in fights. Like, we had – all my friends loved fighting for whatever reason, just boys being boys. Mm -hmm. um, but they would always be, like, really sloppy fights, you know, a couple punches, a takedown. Um, and then one day, my friend Ken Blazik, he came – he moved back from Colorado to Buffalo. He moved home, basically. 
and he showed me, he basically did a seminar where he taught um, a triangle choke and an arm bar from closed guard, which mm-hmm. I didn't know what any of that stuff was, like closed guard or any of that stuff. And when he showed me that you can win a fight off your back, I fell in love with, with like what MMA is now because I didn't realize that you could win a fight like that um, off your back. So, yeah, jiu-jitsu got me hooked on MMA. And, you know, now it's funny because I love striking now, but jiu-jitsu is what, what got me here. While MMA was banned, I I, I, I traveled to Buffalo for a, a football game years ago, and um, I, I think I recall that there being uh, King of the Cage events like at Seneca Casino or something. Does that sound yeah, familiar? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I fought for them. I was the king of the cage champion for a while. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, so MMA was banned in New York up until a few years ago, but they would have fights on like the Indian uh, reservations, which was actually a couple, a couple miles from where I grew up in Niagara Falls, New York. So my first amateur fight was uh, on a, an Indian casino. And then even when it was legal, I would go back there and fight for king of the cage because they already had established MMA promotion, you know? So when it became legal, they basically already had everything needed to basically put on shows. So it worked out perfectly for them. And, um, you know, it worked out for me in the end. Obviously, yeah, obviously it did. I mean, so uh, I know a lot of people, most people that are following you now that are excited about DC know you from the Contender Series. But, I mean, you were on a Season 22 of Tough. Um, yep. So you're you're always kind of on the. Is it safe to say that you were always kind of on the UFC's radar since 2015? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, that was always the you know the plan after Tough. You know, it was it was heartbreaking losing like that. You know, I, I was so close to getting that the opportunity then, but I really do believe everything happens for a reason. And you know, maybe I wasn't ready. I especially wasn't ready as I am now where I think I could beat a lot of these guys at 145. Um, you know, back then I was happy just to be on the show. You know, I was happy to be a part of it. I was happy to win and get in the show. Um, but, you know, I've been trying to get back into that point, and I knew what it was going to take. And, uh, you know, I've been just taking people out left and right, knocking people out, submitting people, um, you know, putting on exciting fights. Um, and I knew as long as I kept finishing people I, that I would get this opportunity again. Um, and I finally got the Contender Series call. Uh, and I made the most of it, and yeah. uh, here we are now. I actually just rewatched that fight before we started talking, and um, oh, w- one of the things, uh, I mean, one of the things that I, I, I kind of, two things came to mind when I watched the fight. One was how, uh, like, in the first round, you you know, you, you had some trouble, but yeah. I also saw the jujitsu side of things where I was like, he's not, he's defending himself. He's not really in that much trouble. He's kind of making this guy wear himself out, and then you took advantage of that later in the fight. I know Healy referred to that as letting them cook themselves for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, that's what I saw in that fight. But, uh, I mean, with all your experience and, and the tough background and and the fight coming up in D.C., are there any UFC jitters for you? I mean, it seems like you've always kind of had them, you know, around. So are you nervous outside of just, you know, regular fight jitters? Yeah, no, I don't know. I, uh, I believe in, like, the Dominic Cruz theory that, like, any like superstitions or ring rust or UFC jitters, a lot of that just comes from lack of training. You know, a lot of guys get smoked in their first UFC fight and some of that's UFC jitters, but some of that is they're just not prepared. You know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, they go seven and oh, eight and oh, but they fight guys who aren't good, you know? So when they get that UFC fight, what, what may look like UFC jitters is, 
them fighting a, a real contender for the first time, you know, and if you look at my record and, and my resume, I've fought some tough guys. You know, I knocked out combo worthy. He's in the UFC. Now he just got a knockout win. Um, you know, my last three fights have been all against guys who are like nine and two, nine and one, um, you know, and now 18 and three. So I don't believe in UFC jitters. Um, I believe uh, in not being, I believe in being underprepared, but I think I'm going to be prepared for this fight. I'm all in, you know, I'm a lot more mature than I was when I was on tough four years ago. Um, and, I, and I know it's at stake, you know, any loss now is, is detrimental to your career. So I need a few more wins and I need them now, you know, I need them in these next few fights. You mentioned your journey and it's, uh, I mean, from a fan's perspective, it's pretty cool to see you go from the ultimate fire then to the contender series now to the UFC. So you've kind of taken the steps that have been created uh, basically by the UFC to allow a, a pathway for fighters. And it just dawned on me and I, I might have to ask uh, Nolan King or some of the people who, who are a little more knowledgeable on uh, the history of tough and, and the contenders, but do you know if you're the only fighter to ever win a fight on contender series tough and now go to the UFC? I, uh, I actually thought about that the other day, um, and I don't know who else, but I do know my boy, uh, Julian Arosa. Uh, I think Julian Arosa was the first one to do all three, but he did a little, he did a little backwards. He did, uh, um, he won, he went on the ultimate fighter, then he won the UFC. And then I think he got cut after like one or two fights. Then he came back one in the contender series and then got back in the UFC. So I think I'm one of two or three people that have done it. Um, but I, you know, it, it definitely hasn't been a lot of people. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. I think I'm going to be the first one. I hope so. I'm going to be the first one to win in the old ultimate fighter building. And then the new contender series building. Cause that was built this year. Mm. Um, and then the UFC. So I think I'll be the first one for that. Um, and which, you know, I'm always chasing records. So it's always gonna be cool to me to, to find out, you know, how the chips lie after. Yeah. That's a cool, uh, it's a cool transition there going back to your days on tough. When I looked it up, uh, you know, I realized you were on team Faber and that was the, the Faber versus McGregor. What was it like being around, uh, those characters was, uh, I mean, what was the experience with Artem Lobov and McGregor? And then, and then obviously, uh, alpha male team, uh, was that pretty wild? Yeah, it was cool, man. It was, uh, I've, you know, I've obviously talked about this a bunch over the years, but it's still like, it almost felt like a dream. You know, we didn't have our cell phones. We didn't have any, like, you know, any news, any, we couldn't watch TV, no music. Um, but I'm around all these guys that I've seen on TV over the years, you know, uh, with team Faber, it was, you know, this was before all the Cody Garbrandt, TJ stuff. So I was training with Cody Garbrandt every single day. And then TJ Dillashaw was there for a few weeks too. So it was like Uriah Faber, Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw, Dan Severn was there for some reason. He was there the whole time <laughs> too. Um, and then our whole team. And then, you know, Andre Feely, Joseph Benavides, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lance Palmer. So all these guys, like I knew, whoever, I knew who pretty much everyone on our team was. And then of course, like the McGregor's and his, his whole team and all the European fighters. Um, it was, it was so cool, man. And, uh, I really think, I truly believe this, which they could never make this official, but I feel like to get in the UFC, everyone should have to do a season of the ultimate fighter because it will change you. You're there for six weeks. There's so much testosterone in the room. It's all dudes. It's all fighters. It's all alpha males. And uh, man, it'll test you. It broke some people. And a lot of people, you could tell they didn't want to be there. I made the most of it. And I learned as much as I could from Faber and from those guys. 
And um, it's like a rite of passage, man. I feel like the guys who've done that, uh, they've been through something that it's like a, like a brotherhood. Yeah, and it, it also seems like it's a crash course. And uh, like you said, not just a test to make sure this is something you want to do, but a crash course and how you have to handle being around the cameras and media and doing stuff like that and and uh, the pressure of the of the you know, Dana White sitting cage side and watching and stuff like that. That's pretty cool that you uh, that you shared that with us. I didn't even think about that myself after watching so many seasons of the show. Um, yeah. But talking about uh, uh, European fighters, uh, I think your opponent in DC, Fishgold, uh, he's uh, he's from the UK. Uh, am I, is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and this reminds me. This is like uh, I feel like this is how tough water went. If I had a whole training camp with my team, you know, because it's a lot different. They basically you know, you're in this tournament, but, you know, they're basically like, I think it was on like a Friday. They're like, all right, Billy, you're fighting Saul now. Or, you know, they, they basically called me out and it's like a Friday. And unfortunately for that weekend, it, you know, and I don't take anything away from them, but like Uriah Faber and a bunch of the guys had a charity golf tournament they had to leave for. So I basically didn't have anyone coaching me the couple days before. It just worked out that way. But I'm like, you know, it's like the biggest fight of my life. And I don't <laughs> have any of my coaches there. And my coaches who are filling in are, they have a charity golf tournament, which I get because that's what's important to them. But mm-hmm. it just, it's, it's a, it's a TV show and, and there's circumstances, yeah. but this is going to be me in my training camp with my coaches. And uh, you guys are going to see a different animal. And uh, it's a, it's a very tough fight for both of us, but I have, I have a lot of weapons going into this fight. Yeah. Talking about the weapons. Uh, one of the things I, I was researching him a little too He's got a lot of wins by submission. Um, do you feel like uh, that's something you want to test on the ground, or or are you looking to put him out of like his comfort zone and keep it standing, looking for a knockout? I know you got a lot of knockouts uh, on your yeah. own. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I definitely I noticed that too. He beat he submitted a lot of the guys in in, in Europe, um, but he hasn't. I don't really think he's gone against a guy as well rounded like me, um, and he's never been able to submit a guy like me before. That um, you know, I'm a four stripe brown belt. I'm actually going to get my black belt. I'm, I'm scheduled to get my black belt. They basically told me I'm going to get my black belt. They told me at the beginning of the year that I'm due to get my black belt. Like I'm ready for it in December. Yeah. And it just turns out I'm supposed to get it a week after the fight. So I kind of look at it as like the last test. I got to fight one more black belt. It's going to be my fourth black belt. I'm, I fought and I'm three and zero against them. So it's like one last test before I get my black belt. So um, wherever the fight goes, I'm ready. But it, I think the crowd wants to see me knock this guy out. And uh, that's what I'm going to be looking to do. I'm looking to take his head off. And if he wants to grapple and take me down, I think we're going to we're gonna have a, a crazy fight on the ground. But, yeah, if it's up to me, we're, we're, we're striking. And I'm, I'm, finding that, uh, I'm finding that chin. I noticed that in your record. When your pro career started, you won the uh, majority of your fights by submissions. Um, was that just something that you were fighting opponents that you found easier to submit? Or have you got more comfortable with your striking uh, as your pro careers advanced? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't tell the whole story. Um, I one one Absolutely. I got a lot more comfortable with my striking, um, especially in these last like two years. I tore my ACL um, after the Eric Reynolds fight. Um, and I basically took seven months of just boxing. So I just box, 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 box. So that really tremendously helped my, my confidence in my hands. Um, but yeah, a lot of, sometimes it doesn't tell the whole story. You know, I've had fights where like I'll drop a guy and then I'll jump on him and choke him out. So that counts as a submission, but you know, he got rocked. So I'm looking, I, I just want to be known as a finisher. So however I get the opportunity, 
I'm looking just to take you out of that fight, whether it's a, with a punch, a kick, a knee, or a choke, or an arm bar, or a leg lock. I basically want to basically put, you know, I want to put a highlight reel uh, collection of, of finishes together. So that's always my goal to finish, no matter how how it comes. Um, I'm I'm looking to to end the fight before it goes to the judges. I mean, you definitely uh, showed some of that boxing in the, in the contender series fight. Like I said, I I only just watched it a couple a couple hours ago, and uh, you do like I feel like there's so many headhunters in MMA. You did a lot of like uh, up and down, high and low attacking, confusing your opponent that that uh, had the refs come in and stop the fight. Um, but uh, the the boxing that you just mentioned, I mean, I, you, you threw that overhand right or right straight. I don't know how many times in that fight. And it seemed to always land, or at least, or at least make the guy uh, fall back. I mean, uh, you finished him standing up. I mean, how did you find? I mean, do you work a lot of cardio? Because you threw everything a hundred percent with full intention of like it looked like you weren't getting tired. Yeah, no, I was trying to. I was trying to kill him. Honestly, you know, he was <laughs> trying to kill me in the first round, so I was trying to kill him in the second. Um, yeah, no, my conditioning, it's weird, man. It's uh. I, you know, and I say like, I'm a, I've, I've had slow starts, but I also have a bunch of first round finishes, but mm-hmm. I feel like it just takes me a little while to get going. But once I, you know, once I hit that stride and sometimes I hit it right at the beginning of the fight, um, I feel like I can outlast people. And a lot of that's conditioning training. And a lot of it is I just keep sparring. Like when, when, when sparring night comes, I do five, five minute rounds with fresh guys, fresh brand new guys coming in, trying to attack me. Um, and it's something that I've consistently done over the years, um, before I even knew it was a big deal. Like, I just thought that was normal. Um, but now I can see that like, not a lot of guys like to be the fresh, they they don't like to be the guy that stays in. They like to be the fresh guy. Um, and I don't mind doing that five, five minute rounds. Even if I get beat up a little bit, I'm going to keep going and going and going. Um, and, and good things happens when you don't quit, you know, you just keep breaking opponents and that's what I love to do. I noticed, uh, I think I also read, you've had some uh, boxing matches as well mixed in uh, during your career too, correct? Yep, yep. So I had, uh, so I went 9-2 and two as uh, an amateur MMA, and then I did an amateur Muay Thai fight. And then after that torn ACL, basically the doctor told me that I can't do MMA for a year, that he wouldn't clear me for 12 months. And we got in a, we got in a little bit of an argument, mm-hmm. um, and then I kind of went around him, and I figured out, like, if you could fight in MMA after 12 months, I figured you could box after like eight. So that's what I ended up doing. I ended up boxing after eight months, no wrestling, no jujitsu. It was actually a really fun training camp. All I did was like lift weights, do knee rehab and box. And I just boxed like crazy and it was fun. And then I ended up, I, I, I put on a boxing clinic. I fought a guy who, you know, wasn't very good. He was a, he was a pro boxer, but he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't undefeated or anything. So I ended up beating him, and then the next weekend, that was about eight and a half months out, I got right back into jiu-jitsu and, and got, got ready for my next uh, pro MMA fight. It's funny you mentioned argue, arguing with the doctor a little bit. We had uh, we had Jake Smith on uh, a couple of, uh, maybe a month or so ago, and he had to take off of training because he had uh, something going on with his hip. And uh, it, it seems like for liability reasons, they always tell you to quit doing the thing that you were doing that, that, you know, you're going to, you're going to go back to doing anyway. So, and, and this is like the second or third time I'm hearing personally that you, 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 you followed your passion and it paid off. So I'm, uh, I'm glad that you, uh, you stuck up for yourself and, and, 
and went went did some other combat sport and returned to to your roots. Yeah, and it all helped, man. Like I said, you know, I came back and I was still, you know, that boxing didn't leave, so my hands felt sharper. I was landing more combos, um, and it really it was, you know, it, it's crazy. Like I I would never say this, but my boxing coach was like that that torn ACL was the best thing that ever happened to you because you were just you turned into a different animal. I started waking up super early, like. I used to hate waking up at like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to work out. Like I thought people were crazy. Um, and then when I tore my ACL, I instantly like I couldn't ever sleep. So I started waking up at like two or three in the morning and I would just lay in bed. And then I would start waking up and getting out of bed at like 4 a.m. and working out and lifting weights. And now it's still in a routine of mine for the last two and a half years of like waking up two or three times a week at 5 a.m., lifting weights and going back and, and starting my training that way. So it really kind of changed me as a person. Um, so it, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. It's pretty crazy you had that eight and a half months off because so with your boxing and your Muay Thai and your MMA, you've you've essentially averaged three, a little over three fights a year basically for the whole nine years you've been uh, you've been competing. So you've been active nonstop since the day you started fighting. Yeah, that's that's I I, I attribute a lot of my success to that. You know, I've always stayed busy. Um, it cost me my, these, you know, I got these big cauliflower ears. Um, and the reason why was I, my one ear started getting really bad, but I had an amateur MMA fight like a month after and I couldn't take any time off. Cause I didn't want to, I didn't, I wanted to fight, you know, I just loved competing. So that's why I got the cauliflower ears. Cause I didn't want to take any time off. And, um, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of guys kind of do it the wrong way where they fight and they take like a month off and they get fat and they, you know, they get out of shape. And then when they come back, they're fighting just to get where they were before. So I've always, you know, after I fight, I take like a few days off, maybe a week if I'm banged up. And then I make sure, even if I can't train right away, I get right back in the gym and I just keep building that consistency up and the compound effect. And um, it, it, it's really paid off for me, especially in the last few months. Um, you know, I'm kind of reaping a lot of the, the, the rewards from it. That's cool, man. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm jealous of your energy. Uh, cause I, for me, I getting up, I get up at six to train sometimes and, yep. and that's early for me. And you're talking about four or five o'clock in the morning. So, I mean that, uh, but that's why there's levels to it and to what you do and stuff like that. And I'm also jealous that you know, you when you're going to get your black belt, because when I got mine, I had no idea. I actually thought I was going to be a brown belt for like another five years until, <laughs> my, but my instructor is uh, cruel about stuff like that. But, um, Man, yeah. that's that that that's that's a that's a crazy journey. Uh, talking about uh, being from Buffalo, New York, I have to ask you. Uh, and we mentioned the the ban on MMA in New York. If you yeah. watched last weekend's uh, UFC 244, uh, just really quick, what's your what was your opinion on the whole thing as far as like the the doctor stoppage? Yeah, you know, it's they're, they're in such a tough position. So I actually I was in the Bahamas, so I didn't see the actual fights yet. I'm dying to see some of those fights. I saw the. I saw that Kevin Lee knockout, which was insane. Yeah. Um, and I, and I saw the results, but yeah, man. So again, New York is so new to the UFC. It's not like Nevada where they've had hundreds and hundreds of reps. Um, and in my opinion, it sounds like they got a doctor who is a good doctor, but he's not familiar with the UFC and specifically Nate Diaz, who has so much scar tissue. He's going to bleed every fight, you know, mm -hmm. every fight he's busted up. Same with Nick Diaz. So it's, it's unfortunate. I didn't see the whole fight. It sounded like Masvidal was beating him up pretty good. Um, I didn't see it. It is always unfortunate when a fight stops for a, from a cut, especially with a guy like Nate Diaz, who 
it doesn't really matter how much he's bleeding. He's going to keep fighting till you know, the fight's over. So mm-hmm. it sounds like it was really unfortunate, but I did see the cut. It looked terrible. So it's, it, it sucks, you know, especially I'm, I'm a fan at the end of the day and you want to see fights go and you want to see exciting fights play out. Um, and we've all seen it hundreds of times where a guy will be cut really bad and he'll go and win the fight. So I got to watch the fight again, but it is unfortunate that it happened. And I saw a lot of people that were disappointed with it. Have you ever trained or uh, met uh, Masvidal down there in Florida? No. So interesting enough, I met I met Nate Diaz a few times. Um, he came down a, a while ago for a seminar, and he's got some uh, a lot of close friends in Orlando at six levels. So I've actually trained with Nate Diaz a couple times. I've been to ATT a few times, maybe like three or four times, but. Uh, I didn't see Masvidal there, or if I did, I just didn't like remember seeing him because it was back in the day. But mm-hmm. no, so I've never trained with Masvidal. I would love to get down there and train with those guys. Um, about half of my pro fights have been against guys from ATT, but I think I think we're all cool now. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, lost some, I lost I lost I lost some, and I've won a bunch of them, so it's all good. I think when you watch the fight, you'll see. I mean, obviously, you saw the picture of Diaz's eye. Yeah, um, it's. It was it was obviously a bad cut. Masvidal was wrecking him pretty good. It wasn't uh, now. Obviously, uh, the argument with Diaz is always that he's got the fourth and fifth round stamina, and yeah. that's uh, that's when he makes his stand. But he w- he was taking some punishment, so I think that probably had a little to do with the doctor as well. Um, yeah. I see a lot of people comparing it to the Tyson Fury cut um, from a couple weeks ago, where they let it go. But yeah, I, I watched I, that fight too. To- I think totally different circumstances. And, exactly. You know, and every single round of, and. You know, the, the, the shorter boxing rounds, every single round that, that guy closed that and he went right back out with the DS fight. You're in there for five minutes and you're getting kneed in the face and it's leaking everywhere. It's, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough call. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, uh, and whereas uh, Fury was really d- being defensive and is known for be- being a pretty well defensive fighter, he wasn't yeah. taking a lot of shots on that as the fight progressed. Whereas Diaz was still—I mean, he got cut like two minutes into the fight, and after the third round, he was getting—he was getting hit on it a lot. But um, yeah, and that's and Tyson Tyson Fury was, argu- you know, arguably outboxing him still even with that cut. So exactly, um, yeah, kind of kind of comparing apples and oranges, but. You know, a lot of people were saying if it was in Nevada, they probably would have let it go longer. Um, but yeah, it's a tough situation, you know, especially with these the, these guys who've been fighting forever. You get the scars. I, I have a little bit, and every now and then, like this cut opened up a few weeks ago, but it was tiny. But you do, man. The scar tissue opens up a lot easier, so it's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean that that that's too bad that it's something that you, you once it yet happens that you have to worry about, but. I doubt you'll. I doubt you're that. That's anything you're going to have to worry about. I mean, you got a lot of time. Your yeah. fight's on December seventh. Uh, you said you've, you you spent time in D.C. too. So um, I don't know what the crowd is like for MMA. I've only I've only covered one event there. It was a, the PFL their first season there. So um, I I do know uh, there's a lot of like uh, people looking for something to do. So uh, I'm pretty sure you're gonna look. To, you're gonna probably uh, fill that arena. Um, you know, D.C. is a nice little town. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, I, 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 we have a lot of a lot of people message me. They're flying out. I'm bringing a huge crowd. I've actually fought in DC three times already. Um, and I always, I was always the main event. I always sold it out. Um, so it's gonna be, I think, a very pro Billy Q, a very pro American crowd. And uh, I think we're gonna put on a show. You know, I think I'm. He's gonna come out to try to knock my head off. I'm gonna do the same thing. I have a lot of weapons. He has a lot of weapons. And uh, you know, let the better man win. 
Have they given you any idea about your bout placement on the card yet? What I've heard just from my manager is I'm going to be about the middle of the prelims, like the regular prelims. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm fine with that. You know, I'd love to be on the main card, but you know, I'm a, I'm a new employee. So I still, even though I've, you know, even though I've been in MMA for a while and I, and I paid some of my dues on the contender series and the ultimate fighter, you know, this is the big show. So I gotta, I gotta earn my stripes still. So wherever they put me, I'm going to go out there and do everything I can to put on a show and make it exciting and, and look for that kill. And uh, then we can talk from there and, and, you know, talk about place, you know, about placement uh, later on, but I'm just happy to be there right now. And I'm going to be happy to put on a, put on a show in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I'm happy for you too. I mean, I, I one last question for me. I'm sorry to cut you off, Matt, but I have to ask you because I, I in my notes I don't have it. You don't you have you don't have a, a fighter nickname? I mean, the only one I, I found for you was the Channing Wahlberg that uh, Uriah Faber came up with. But, yeah, but... you know, uh, <laughs> you know, the thing with nicknames is you know you you hear about some good ones. You know, you yeah. hear a good nickname and you're like, oh man, like like Tony Ferguson, like El Kakui. I think that's so cool and like it fits him perfectly. But then you hear a lot of bad ones. You know, there's so many bad <laughs> nicknames. Yeah. And it's like, come on, man. It almost takes it away. So, like, I've always believed that, like, nicknames got to be, like, like earned. Like, you got to be, like, you got to, like, earn them. And, and you know, yeah. I like the Channing Wahlberg. But that's kind of, <laughs> like, just, like, kind of like a joke. It's yeah. not, like, my nickname. <laughs> so, I'm going to keep I'm gonna keep going with Billy Q. You know, no one can say my last name, Corntello. So, it's just Billy Q. And, uh, you know, I've had, like, other ones that, like, people joke around, like, Billy the Squid. Because I used to like submit submit people like I used to wrap people up with my body, but yeah. um, I just like to keep it keep it keep it basic, and I like to you know my I like my my talking and my fighting to to show it on its own. I don't need some wacky nickname that I just <laughs> made up or someone made up for me because you do see a lot of bad ones. Yeah, you do. <laughs> That's funny. Um, anything out of the ordinary in your training for this fight? Are you changing anything up, or are you just sticking to the the game plan that's been successful for you so far? Um, there's uh, you know, we, every fight we make a little bit of adjustments. I'm at, I'm doing a lot more strength and conditioning than I've ever done. Uh, not, not a lot more last, last training camp. We did a lot for the contender fight. Um, I have a personal trainer. They're at a place called driven. Um, and they whoop my butt. I was there today. They whoop my butt. They whoop my butt every time I'm there and it's been paying off tremendously. I'm a lot stronger. Um, you know, usually athletes are trying to get bigger, faster, stronger. Mine. It's like, I'm getting, I have to stay the same size and actually get smaller, faster, and stronger. So it's a little bit different than, um, you know, your average athlete. Um, and uh, I think I'm just getting getting smarter and better, uh, you know, following. I'm, I'm basically tracking as much as I can. I'm tra- tracking my sleep schedule, making sure I'm recovering enough. Um, you know, I have an app for that. I, get, I have, a, you know, a meal prep company. I have a CBD company. Um, I do a lot of the recovery. I'm stretching a lot. I'm basically just doing everything I can to be the best fighter I can be on December 7th. Um, and that's, that's just kind of tweaking things a little bit. Cause I've learned a lot since 2010, um, the things I can do and can't do. Um, and we're basically just having right now. I, I feel like I'm in like the NFL, like with my schedule, it's, I train like a pro athlete now, which is something that a few years ago, I just wasn't doing. It was back then. It was just like, you know, the wild, wild West, I would work and I would train and I, you know, now it's like a consistent schedule. I know what I'm doing every day. I know yeah. how I have to recover. And, you know, if, you know, if, if I can't train a certain day, I have a backup plan for everything. So um, I have a lot of people following my schedule and a lot of people helping me. So uh, I, I have a really great time, really great team. 
you know, I'm on a, a five fight MMA winning streak and a six fight, you know, total with a boxing match. I've won the last six fights in a row. So I have a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum going into this fight that I think makes a big difference. Awesome. Uh, I guess one quick other question. You, you obviously sound like you stay in great shape. What kind of cut do you make uh, when, when the time comes? Yeah, so I'm, I, I get pretty big. Uh, I get pretty big way outside of camp. Um, but right now I'm probably, you know, I, it's not going to be a big cut, cut for me. Um, so, you know, basically fight week when I get there, I'll be under 160 when I get there. So it'll be, you know, a little bit over 10 pounds that last weight week, the last weight cut, but it's, it's pretty easy. I've had some really bad ones and those really bad ones have actually helped me because now I know what I'm capable of. So when I do it right, it's, it's pretty easy. All right, Billy. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Do you want to throw out any sponsors, uh, any social media, uh, anywhere anybody can contact you or uh, follow you? Yeah, of course. Um, all my sponsors help out. I'm going to keep posting my sponsors throughout the training camp. You can follow me on Instagram at BillyQMMA. Really simple. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, BillyQMMA. Um, that's where you can communicate with me. If you heard of me, uh, you can DM me and I'll follow you back. And um, yeah, just get ready for a show December 7th. It's going to be a war. All right. Again, that's uh, Billy Quarantello uh, fighting Chris Fishgold, December 7th, ESPN uh, 7 card. I believe your fight will be on ESPN Plus uh, for the prelims. Uh, We'll talk more about the actual event when we get a little closer, but uh, we want to wish you best of luck, and uh, we'll definitely be tuning in. Thank you guys so much for having me. Have a great night. You too. Fans can always catch us at Combat Hour on Twitter, at Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram, myself at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter and Carbeerzal on Instagram. Until the next time, Ed, uh, good talk. And uh, Billy, again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Peace. Good night. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions and some the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, maybe... Uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.